When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org. Welcome to the second episode of the Step Back Pod here on Fansided. Thanks for joining us. You can also find our content on Twitter at the underscore step underscore back. This is where we go around the NBA. We try to break down what's happening with teams, whether it's good or whether it's bad from previous week and looking forward. My co-host here is Brady Hawk. You can follow him at Brady Hawk 305. You can follow me, Ethan Skolnick at Ethan J. Skolnick. And at Five Reasons Sports, make sure you catch our first episode. I don't even remember who we talked about in that episode. It'll come back to me here in a second. But in this one, we're going to talk about three teams in particular. The Utah Jazz, one of the biggest surprises of the season in a positive way. The Golden State Warriors, one of the biggest surprises of the season in a negative way. And then also we're going to deep dive on the Milwaukee Bucks, the undefeated Milwaukee Bucks, 9-0 without Chris Middleton as we speak. Matt Issa uh, does some work for Fansided and some other platforms, has been doing a lot of study on the Bucks lately, so we'll bring him in to talk about it. But let's start here with our first steps. All right, let's get into it here. Number one this week, some key injuries in the NBA to a couple of teams that are playoff contenders in the Eastern Conference. Pascal Siakam, who's quietly been having a top 10 season in the NBA, is going to be out for at least a couple of weeks. And then in the Western Conference, Cam Johnson out for the Phoenix Suns. He's moved in as the starting power forward ahead of Jay Crowder. But Cam's going to be out now for a period of time as well. Let's get into all, both of these here, Brady. The Siakam uh, situation. How does Toronto plug that hole for the time being? Yeah, we saw them last night basically fill it already uh, and just find ways to do it because they just have so many lengthy defenders that it feels like they're not losing out much on that end. It's just about finding a hub offensively, uh, which means that if Scotty Barnes is healthy, there's more in his plate. And if OG and Anobi's healthy, there's more in his plate as well, which I think is fun to watch in general because they're two young guys that uh, obviously when they're aggressive and have that type of uh, stuff on their plate, it just looks good. And obviously we know what Van Vliet is at this stage. He was actually at a really good game the other night as well. So I guess it's just, just kind of spreading it around a little bit more, but I don't think they lose as much defensively just because it's like the next guy up that basically can plug in into their system. And they obviously run kind of a, a little bit of a, a weirder rotation because they run five, six, seven guys. Scotty Barnes, you talk about him handling more offensively, you know, obviously rookie of the year. I think a lot of people were looking for a breakout season this year. And, and one of the questions was, okay, where did the touches come from? And then Siakam early in the year has been so productive. What can Scotty Barnes add here? Uh, it's tough because I feel like he's he's been pretty good. I feel like the development is just more maybe consistency with the shot because obviously I feel like we know what he is as a rim pressure guy just because he's can attack so well because he's lengthy, good around the rim in that way. There's, we know what he is defensively, I guess maybe because he's just handling so much, maybe a tighter handle, I guess, would be the one thing you'd kind of point out and say. 
but he's just a fun player, man. Like he's just such a fun player to watch. And in that system, like, I don't think there's a better team that he could have went to, to kind of plug in uh, than that team. Obviously he's averaging 15 points a game on 49% shooting 40% from three. So if he could keep up that consistency, like if you're talking about the rim pressure and the defense already, while also keeping that type of percentages up, then I don't really know what you do with that. If you kind of just round everything else around him, which as you said, no Pascal Siakam kind of opens that up even more. All right, let's go to the Western Conference then on this number one. Cam Johnson stepped in this year. This was a controversial draft pick when James Jones made it. The feeling was he was kind of just a stationary shooter. There wasn't a whole lot else to his game, kind of a specialist. He's shown more than that this year after they've plugged him into the starting lineup. And now they've got Jay Crowder just sitting out there still waiting for a trade. It would seem that the natural solution would be to get Jay to come back and play. But if that doesn't happen, what do they do? Uh, it probably plays smaller, I guess. Like, you have to lean more offense. Like, they're average, obviously having a totally different play style without Cam Johnson because he's obviously a big part of what they do. Uh, Mikhail Bridges probably getting some more reps at the four. Uh, so it's just more, I guess, by committee because I don't think there's that true guy to step in unless, like you're saying, Jay Crowder comes out of nowhere and kind of plugs that hole. That's the only really way. So so this is more by committee. Obviously, it's messed up because he was having a pretty good season. Like, uh, he was shooting 43% from three on six attempts. Like, that's kind of what you expected for him in that role. So kind of like the other situation, like this is just more about other guys getting more on their plate. Now I'm not talking about the bookers and the Chris Pauls of the world. I'm talking more about like the Mikhail bridges of the world, getting a little more on their plate. Or let's just say as even though he's a point guard or something like the Cameron Payne getting more shot attempts here. So it's just more about seeing what they can do, I guess, when guys are kind of, functioning in and out of the lineup. All right, let's go to the Eastern conference. Now for number two, the Brooklyn nets. We obviously know that the Kyrie Irving situation is a complete disaster at this stage, suspended for five games. It's probably going to be a lot longer because it seems like there's about 400 things that he needs to do to come back. And I don't think he'll probably do 399 of them. They still don't know who their head coach is going to be going forward because they threw the Udoka trial balloon out there and that hasn't seemed to go very well. So they may end up staying with Jock Vaughn, which is what I thought they should have done in the first place because I actually thought Jock Vaughn did a pretty decent job for them a couple of years ago. But now they come out and they win two straight. How sustainable is their success if, say, we're not going to see Kyrie for a month or two months or three months? I think it's sustainable as long as you have Kevin Durant on your team. Like, that's just the way it is. Like, he's averaging 32 a game on 52% shooting. I just don't really know what you do with that because they have a pretty direct game plan, it seems like right now. Like, it doesn't seem too jumbled because it's pretty much... Kevin Durant's going to take it in that mid post or an isolation possession. If they're going to send two, okay, well, we're going to kick it above the break to a Royce O'Neal type or a Markeith Morris type. And we'll just bet on those type of shots, those open looks. And if they don't, well, Kevin Durant's just going to basically kill you inside the arc and he's going to do Kevin Durant type things. So I guess they can, they can get through this type of stuff as long as Kevin Durant's playing at this level. And I mentioned the name Royce O'Neal, which I think is, is a fun name to talk about because I think he's a really solid role player for them. But the other one is Cam Thomas, who now gets a little bit more opportunity. So once again, another guy getting more opportunity with guys going out. Cam Thomas has got the guy to watch. If he could kind of keep up that type of shot creation uh, blend next to Kevin Durant, like I think they can actually win games and I guess put together a little bit of a streak, I guess, while this other stuff starts to figure itself out. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And number three, two teams playing pretty well in the Western Conference that we anticipated would play pretty well. I actually had one of them, the Grizzlies, as my number one seed coming into the season. The Nuggets, I know a lot of people had them as the number one seed coming into the season. We're, I guess, nine games in for each of them as we speak here. Who have you been more impressed by? It's funny because you said about uh, you having the Grizzlies as their number one seed. I had the Nuggets as their number one seed, so it's kind of funny how that works. But who am I more impressed by? I would probably say the Grizzlies just because – they don't even have their full roster right now. Like we talked about Denver not having their full roster. Now they do. And I think uh, it's cool to see Jamal Murray kind of getting back into his type of play style. Michael Porter, when he's healthy, we know what he can do as a shooter and a spot up guy. He's as elite as they come when they, when he is healthy and we know what Jokic is, but when it comes to the Memphis Grizzlies, like they still don't have Jaron Jackson. Like they still don't have their, one of their primary starters on this team. Uh, and obviously we're seeing Desmond Bain really step up in a way like John Morant. We can't even like skip over the fact that he's averaging 28 a game on 48% shooting 47% from three, by the way, like on four attempts, John Morant, if he's able to hit those type of shots consistently, it's tough to guard him because then if you, you can't go under on him, how as explosive as, as he is going to the rim, then you start going over on him a little bit and you're pushing him into like, it's just, it's so hard to stop. But Desmond Bain, averaging 25 a game right now as well, 47% from three as well, 46% from the field. But he's, his growth is clear. Like he's running, they're running stuff for him in a way that they can uh, balance lineups where he can come out early and then John Morant obviously exits and Desmond comes back in. Then he's obviously pulling from deep and he's running different stuff off curls. It's just, they can do a lot of things. And then Steven Adams, I don't think there's a better dirty work guy for that team right in the middle than Steven Adams. I know he had like 19 boards the other night. He was talking about, well, what are the little guys going to grab the rebounds? Like they have the roster, I guess, around this. And the only thing they're missing is the guy, Jared Jackson, who is going to be an elite perimeter defender in general to kind of plug this, kind of mesh all of this together. Welcome to the playback where Brady Hawk breaks down two teams from around the NBA, one East, one West, one that's doing well. We call that the high step and one that's not doing so well. We call that the misstep. The first one, our high step today, no one anticipated this, including the person who put this thing together. And I'm not sure he's quite happy about it. Danny Ainge went out and traded Rudy Gobert. He traded Donovan Mitchell. We're going to go through all of the draft picks that they're owed over the next few years. The Utah Jazz, though, with a collection of players, this reminds me a little bit. A few years ago, I remember uh, Orlando moved, I believe it was Penny Hardaway. This is, we're going way back, Brady. This is before your birth, okay? And they had this like scrappy team that just hung in for about 60 games. Like there were guys like Bo Outlaw and Daryl Armstrong playing well. Like it just kind of came out of nowhere. They just played hard. They played well together. Something clicked. Eventually they faded. I don't think they made the playoffs from what I recall. I don't think this team is going to make the playoffs either. I didn't know that they were going to win seven games before the all-star break. They're seven and three right now. As we speak, Laurie Markkinen has become everything that the Bulls wanted to become before he went to Cleveland. Jordan Clarkson is shooting almost 40% from three, as is Colin Sexton, who was picked up and then signed to an extension, uh, you know, when they got in exchange for Donovan Mitchell. This is one of those few trades that looks like it worked out for both sides at this point. Why are the Utah Jazz playing so well under Will Hardy? Well, I think it's pretty clear that 
they basically reversed the exact play style that they embraced in previous seasons. Like we have, we talked about Donovan Mitchell and Gobert as a two man combo. And obviously Mitchell running a lot of the usage there. Now it's basically the exact opposite where you don't know what you're going to get on a given night because their movement is incredible. Like they, they move without the ball. They move in terms of ball movement. The ball goes all over the place. You're talking about some of the numbers. They're, they're six guys in double figures uh, on the season. And I think the seventh guy is Vanderbilt, who's at nine points per game, like right underneath that. Like they are just spreading it around so well. And I guess their offensive uh, process is so fun to watch because as you talk about movement and ball movement, like the stats would show that that's exactly what's happening because they're fourth in drives per game this season. So they're obviously getting paint touches. They're getting inside. They're driving to the basket, but they're also third and three point attempts. Like they're just running a driving kick type offense a ton where they're just flying guys off screens, getting inside, kicking out and they're hitting those shots. So that's why they're winning basketball games. Like they're, they're shooters on the outside are actually hitting. Uh, and obviously the top guy that you're talking about, Lori Markin is playing and playing at an incredible level. Like you have a guy that's that tall, that skilled, and he's able to just come flying off screens, working inside in the mid post. Uh, shooting from the outside. Uh, it's just a fun team that that they're able to do this. Eighth in offensive rating and then also eighth in defensive rating. Like they're pretty exact on both sides of the floor. So it's not even just one side that we're seeing. But the other thing about this is that it feels like everybody on this team like has a specific role. Like when you go down the roster, like, like Jordan Clarkson playing really well. He's like kind of their primary shot creator in a way. You have Mike Conley, who's also playing much better basketball. He's just their organizer. Like he's the guy in the half court that can get guys settled. You have Lori Markin, who's kind of just their, their big man creator, movement shooter type. A Linux playing really well, who's obviously kind of the, the stretch big, who's creating the, enough space for these guys to operate inside the lane. And obviously he can play make a bit. And then Colin Sexton, who's their sixth man right now, kind of flipped roles with, with Clarkson. And he's just putting a, a bunch of pressure on the rim. He's kind of their pressure point in that way, but he's also hitting shots on the outside. So uh, and then the last guy is, is Vanderbilt, who I just am a big fan of in general because he's just like that dirty work guy, good rebounder, inside threat, uh, and obviously can defend and everything. So their roster construction, nobody would have expected this before the season. But when you look at all, like now looking at the film of games and watching what's happening, like this group meshes really well just because they all have the same mindset, I guess, heading into games. All right. Well, usually we talk about whether it's going to be sustainable for a surprising team based on the players that they currently have and what they're going to do going forward. But the issue for this team is, even with all the draft picks they have, I wouldn't be surprised at all if Danny Ainge starts to move some of these players for additional picks. So go through it. Give me the top three guys on this team that if they're subtracted, this thing falls apart. Who who are the three guys that, again, they can afford to lose anybody because they don't care about this season. We know that. This is about future picks. Again, I'm going to go through the list. But give me the, the three that, okay, if they move... Clarkson, if they move, they're not going to move Sexton. They just signed him to that extension. So he's not going to be moved at this point. He can't be. Uh, But uh, the other guys on this, if they move Mike Connolly, does this fall apart? Pretty much. I feel like a lot, if you're moving two of these guys, everything probably falls apart because they basically have the exact roles that they need right now. So uh, the jazz are kind of like the Spurs. Like they just, they're two teams that are kind of playing above their heads right now. And they also don't know if they want to be playing above their heads. Like they want to be playing, obviously in, in the, in the lottery type play style, but the three guys I would obviously say is marketed because uh, what team would not want to use that type of player right now? I'd say Conley's the second guy. I think things would fall apart without him organizing the offense. And then obviously I think Clarkson's the other guy, because we saw what he could do off the bench. Now he's in the starting lineup, what he could do as a shot creator, what he, he could do as an all around offensive player. So those would be the three guys that not only, I think the jazz can't afford to lose, but I think it's pretty clear that other teams in the race and kind of in the mix would love to utilize all three of those. If, if Conley's a little bit different just because of contract wise, but he's still 
at a point where he could be a solid playmaker for a team. All right, before we close this, let me just go through the pick collection that the Utah Jazz have right now for people who don't understand it because of the two trades, the Mitchell trade and the Gobert trade. And after we get to the Warriors, we're going to bring Matt Issa on to talk about the Bucks. but let's go through it. This year, they own their own first round pick, which we thought would be, you know, a top five pick potentially, you know, in the, in the mix for Victor. Now we'll see, but again, Danny Ainge can do something to make that happen, to get him a little bit closer up in the lottery. Then they get the least favorable first round pick between Houston, Brooklyn, and Philly. We figured that would be Philly. We'll see. I mean, it could end up being Brooklyn, probably will be Philadelphia's pick. That was in the Royce O'Neal trade. They also, though, have a Minnesota's unprotected first round pick for Rudy Gobert, expecting Minnesota to be a playoff team this year. But in the West, anything could happen. Maybe that's middle of the first round. Potentially, they don't have they, they, they don't have a second round pick. They don't have any picks actually in 24, which is one of the reasons they were uh, replenishing this. They, they don't have their picks because of uh, trades related to Jay Crowder and Derek Favors which go back a little bit, but then 2025, they have their own first round pick. They have Minnesota's unprotected pick. You don't know what they're going to be by then. That's in, again, in the Gobert trade. They have Cleveland's unprotected first round pick. That's in the Mitchell trade. Uh, Cleveland looks like they're going to be pretty good here for a few years. So that may not be a high pick, but still, but then in 2026, they have their own first round pick. They have another first round pick in a, in a draft swap for Gobert. They have another draft swap for Mitchell with Cleveland. And then going even further, 2027, they have their own first round pick. They have an unprotected Minnesota pick for Colbert. They have an unprotected uh, Cleveland pick for Mitchell. And then 2028, okay? I might not even be alive by then. They got their own first round pick and they've got a draft swap with Cleveland for Mitchell. And then 2029, their own first round pick, an unprotected pick for Mitchell and a 27 first round pick Uh, protected one through five for Rudy Gobert. That's a draft swap. That's insane. I mean, really? So, I mean, the reality is they don't have to tank this year. I mean, he doesn't necessarily, because they have so many picks coming, but he might anyway. He might anyway. I just wonder if in that market, and this is the other question before we switch to the Warriors here, you know, that is a passionate basketball market. Okay. But you don't want to tune them out. You don't want to make them wait too long. We've seen what's happening in Oklahoma city here a little bit. The process is taking some time. Obviously we know in Sacramento, it's taken 15 years in Philadelphia. It took like six or seven years. He might let them compete this year because of all the picks that they've got coming. So we'll see. Uh, but the jazz have been interesting. All right, let's switch over. Uh, let's switch over to the other uh, side of this, the misstep, the golden state warriors. We saw them here last week. Uh, Brady against the Heat, a Heat team that was struggling. The Heat lost out in Golden State, uh, but then won here in Miami, uh, even though, again, uh, Tyler Hero was out for the second half of that game. Jimmy Butler ended up making a a big shot late, uh, one of the few good moments for the Heat this season. We were talking a lot about Golden State and and kind of their bench there. Uh, Let's go through what's happening there, because that seems to be the big problem. Yeah, that pretty much feels to be the case a lot of the time, because there's part of this is the bench. And I think part of this is the point of attack defense. Like I don't want to put it all on the bench, but obviously James Wiseman and his development kind of slowing up a little bit, I feel like doesn't help this process in general. Uh, and then obviously Jordan Poole being in that spot off the bench, they need him to play playing at an elite level. And I was looking at some of the numbers, but talking about Jordan Poole in general, that they have 120 offensive rating when like pulls off the floor, but when he's on the floor, it's like a, a 103. Like it's pretty weird how, the lineups they're forming because we were watching that heat game at the game. And we were pretty much saying like, it was like a long period of time where it felt like Curry clay and Draymond were off the floor. Like he's anchoring lineups with this bench that you're talking about. That's just not favorable. So it feels like that plummets some of their, their numbers all the time and it plummets games for them. So there's just so much on him, I guess, to hit inefficient looks. It feels like, because he, you know, he's a tough shot maker. He gets some of those looks above the break, especially from deep or, or in 
with good contests, but when he's not, it just, I don't know what you go to from that point. So I guess there's, there's some worry about the bench, but from my perspective, there's more worry about what they can do in terms of defensively at the point of attack. Get into Clay Thompson here a little bit because I feel like he's a big part of this conversation because I, th- I think we anticipated that he would, you know, obviously last year he's coming back from major, major injuries. Okay. He's not a player who's relied on quickness typically anyway or athleticism. So you figured, okay, if he can just get himself healthy, get himself in shape, that he'll be a plus player for them again. He hasn't really been. Does that, how much does that change the dynamic for them if he's not? Yeah. I'll start with the thing I keep talking about. And I think defensively, we know it, Clay was over time as a defensive player. And if he's kind of slowing up as you'd expect after that injury, you're not getting as much from him defensively, especially against athletic players. Uh, so that hurts them in a way, because as much as I think Curry is an underrated defender in general, when you're putting him in and he's getting put in these type of switches and everything, I just, you can't really do anything from that point on. So then now you have your two forwards and Andrew Wiggins and Draymond trying to cover up a bunch. And obviously they can, handle themselves one-on-one, but it just changes the equation so much. So Clay being able to slide over, let's just say in a specific defensive matchup, they put like a Wiggins type under the, their best point guard on the other team. Now you're sliding Clay down and now Clay's guarding an athletic three instead of a usual two. So it's just like the whole process here. I think that's what's killing them defensively in general, that they're the third worst defense right now, which is just crazy how that flipped. Like that is pretty crazy that they're 30th in opposing points per game, that teams are just absolutely killing them in that fashion. Uh, is pretty wild. But as terms of an offensive player, when he's shooting 33% from three and 36% from the field over, over time, I don't think people expected that exactly. I thought after a season and now getting a little bit more of a flow after the injury, you'd expect better, better numbers. And I think a big part of that and their success offensively is just, we know what Steph is. And I think actually right now we kind of know what Andrew Wiggins is, but the efficiency of Clay and Poole feels to be kind of the, the carrier of what they're going to be offensive, I guess, for consistently over large kind of pockets of time. All right. Before we bring Matt on to talk about the Bucks, let's close the loop here by talking about pool a little bit more. We have grouped, I think three young guards together, Tyler, Tyler hero, Jordan pool and Tyrese Maxey. It feels like the Tyrese Maxey breakout is well in progress at this stage. We saw pool the other night. And I mean, other than him getting called for three carries and Steve whining about it, uh, you know, (laughs) saying that he hadn't got the memo that all of a sudden this was going to be called when everybody in the league does it. He just doesn't do a lot for me. I I don't know. I I, I just I feel like there's just an inefficiency to his game that I I don't know if is going to clean up anytime soon. And then we talk about hero and you and I obviously we do a lot of this on the heat podcast five on the floor. But it, with Tyler, it seems to be more about defense and fit, right? Fit in the in the in the starting lineup and some of the issues they're having there with with Kyle. Even though Tyler's numbers for the most part have been pretty good, of of those three, I mean, are we at the stage now where we can say Tyrese Maxey is going to be the best player of the three of them? I think so. Uh, I'm a big fan of Tyrese Maxey. Just what he can do, you see every time that somebody goes down for that team, he just absolutely shines. Like when you take usage away from Joel Embiid, Maxie's the guy that's putting up 30. If that hardens out for a month, you see Tyrese Maxie once again, putting up 30 just because of the way he can do it. They can play different play styles because obviously he can run in transition. I, I trust him much more as a, as a half court player, I guess, than I did a year, a year ago. Uh, so I think he definitely did. I think he broke apart a little bit there just because I think when you were just talking about kind of playing in different play styles, I think there's just more about Jordan Poole hitting tough shots or not. Like it's so much is on that specifically because that's just the type of player he is. He's such a rhythm player that he's either going to be look very, very elite, or it's going to be tough to keep him on the floor when he's not hitting those type of shots and he's not getting the type of 
spin moves to the basket, tough lay or just tough buckets from the outside. So I'd say it's kind of funny how those three guys just randomly, just because of their age and play style, just got clumped together. But I think we're getting a little bit more clarity, I guess, on each where each one of them stands. And now it's time for the step around where we bring on an NBA writer or media member from somewhere else in the country to fill us on everything that's going on. And we mix in a little rapid fire, too. We're going to bring on Matt Issa. I don't know how many places he's working at the, at the current moment, so I won't even. You know what? I'll let you go through the list. OK, where are you working these days? Uh, fan cited, obviously, uh, SB Nation, The Analyst, uh, Basketball News, and sometimes Forbes. But yeah, you could call me a busy guy. <laughs> I was going to say, that's why the voice is gone here. Right, Brady and I are going to, Brady's going to stick around for this segment this time. We're going to go a little bit deeper into the Bucks, and then we'll do, uh, we'll, we'll kind of go around the league a little bit with some rapid fire. The Milwaukee Bucks are 9-0 and as we're speaking. They don't have Chris Middleton. Everybody talked about how important he was. He seems to be relatively close to coming back. Giannis is playing an ungodly level to the point that it seems like almost a two-man uh, MVP race at this stage. I, I think really a one-man race. But let's just start here. How? Because you did a big breakdown on this. How are they doing this right now? Like, what is the, I mean, other than Giannis, which is the obvious thing, how have they kind of worked around the Middleton absence? Oh, it's been uh, defense. I mean, there if this like this current pace holds and obviously it's we're nine games into their season. So I don't know what that is like 11% or something like that. So it's highly unlikely that it holds at this current pace, but if it does hold, that is like the greatest defense the NBA has ever seen um, in terms of relative defensive rating. I think a big part of it is their philosophy. I think their principles, obviously the personnel, they have some of the best defensive personnel in the league in the middle. Brooke Lopez, one of the premier rim protectors. Giannis is just one of like the best defenders in the league, period. Maybe one like you could name on one hand, if you had two fingers amputated, how many defenders are on Giannis's level. And then they have, I think, is what is the best screen navigating core of guards in Drew Holiday, Javon Carter, Wes Matthews, who shout out to him, man. He's just awesome in his mid thirties. A very like unlikely development, him coming to Milwaukee and just being as good as he is. And then I think the biggest thing is they've been playing defense the way they started playing against the Celtics after game two of that series last year. And what I mean is, so, you know, the Bucks, Budenholzer, Brooke Lopez, they've been running drop coverage for a long time since Budenholzer has been there. That's his thing, right? That's their base. And they are willing to, for a long time, they were willing to give up corner three pointers to protect the rim and concede shots that way. So they would have guys help from the corners to avoid them, opponents attacking at the rim and have them kick out and they're just going to deal with the corner three-point shot because there's too much variance and you really can't control for the most part how well a team shoots on corner three so they're like you know what we're just going to concede that the celtics in game two of last year's matchup just kind of lit them up from the corner i think grant williams had like i can't even remember how many threes but they lit them up so what they did is, okay, we're not going to help off the corners as much. We're going to trust our guards to either trail, pick and rolls, or go under. They go under probably more than any team in the NBA. I don't, I don't have the stat on me, but just from watching them, it looks like they go under more than most teams in the modern era. But now they're just they're giving up a lot of mid-range pull-up twos, which is, you know, I'm not like anti-mid-range guy. I understand the utility of it. I understand what it does, how it opens up other shots, but it is still one of the more inefficient shots in basketball. And so ever since I would say like game three, when they made that switch against the Celtics, that's pretty much what they've been going for. And I think that is a really big part that's powering this 
historically great defense and why they are one of, uh, you know, the front runners right now to win the title. I'm going to let Brady jump in here because Brady has a thing for Brooke Lopez. I, I feel like every time we have a conversation about the Bucks, that Brooke Lopez is the Bucks MVP. It's not Giannis. So go ahead. You guys, I'm going to give you guys two minutes of Brooke Lopez love. Go. I don't know where that came from, but I mean, I'm not, I don't, I'm not mad at it because I just think when he plays, I mean, look what their defense is when he plays basketball for this Bucks team. Like they can run totally different schemes. Matt was just talking about the, obviously the different things they can run in general, uh, which I actually found super interesting in general. When, when you look at their profile, like that they're forcing certain teams to shoot that mid range pull up and they're not uh, obviously allowing as many threes. I don't know how you take that balance and you don't allow shots at the rim or threes. Like it's usually for teams, you're kind of picking one or the other, but when you have the weak side defender eliteness of, of Giannis Antetokounmpo, you have the rim protector in Brook Lopez. And as you were just talking about the guard screeners, uh, you have guys that can just absolutely operate around those screens and force them into these looks. So many teams, you want them taking those shots. Like, I feel like there's a couple different ones. Like if, if Boston gets hot over a stretch and Jason Tatum and Brown keep getting that pull up, it can kind of hurt you. But most teams are not going to be comfortable taking that shot every time down. I think back to even when Miami played them the year after the bubble, where they just kept, it was kind of Tyler Goron and, and Kendrick Nunn, just keep getting into the free throw line and shoot the mid-range buckets. They were not hitting them. And that's why they basically got swept in that series. So the way this defense can be played in general I just enjoy watching it, to be honest. And I think when we're talking about the Bucs, a guy that I think needs to be mentioned as well is just uh, Portis. Because I think Bobby Portis is so important to what they do, especially off the bench. Uh, the potential of what they can do, like they can absolutely run huge lineups with him at the three. Like we saw that the other night. They, it was for a very short stretch. But they put him at the three. Like I don't really know what you do with that at that point. Uh, so it's an interesting game that they play. And they're not even playing elite offensive basketball right now, because obviously that's where Chris Middleton comes into play. That's when everything starts to shoot up and they obviously can play a different play style. So it's funny because this team is nine and zero, and I doesn't feel like they're being covered as if they're nine and zero. like, I just don't feel like the love is there in general. Uh, and the fact that they don't have their second best player makes it even crazier, but uh, it's just an interesting squad to say the least when they're healthy, they're as dangerous as anybody in this league. Yeah. So Matt, let me jump in there because I, I want to ask you specifically about Giannis because ultimately, you know, he's the guy that's going to be measured regardless of what they're doing with the rest of the roster. Is it fair to say that he's taken another step this season? Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I think he has. It's subtle. It's very subtle. You'll miss it. If you're not, if you're not really in tune with the cadence of the team, but I think he has, I mean, just like he's had, he's always had ever since Jason Kidd got the idea to kind of play him at the point forward. Like we've known he's got ball skills. He can pass the ball for that size, but just like some of these, like he'll take the ball and it looks like he's like, looks like a flying saucer the way he just like launches it with one hand across the court. And I honestly, last year, I still think what you want to do is make Giannis pass the ball, but that's just because he's such an amazing finisher. And they, you're, you're Miami Heat, both your Miami Heat do a great job of, of forcing him to make passes and make reads. And they're always, they've always historically been the team that gives him the most fits, but um, he's just such a, he's, he's improved so much as a passer it's just, it's kind of ridiculous to think about. And then he looks like Donovan Mitchell with the Euros and the juke moves. And the thing is, you know, Donovan Mitchell's 6'1", and he's, you know, he's a strong guy, but he's not Giannis. And I think that's the big thing, the patience when he's driving to the rim, the ability to kind of maneuver over to fight. It's not, you know, like uh, Mark Jones was calling that game against the Brooklyn Nets when uh, Steve Nash gets uh, ejected, he turns into a meme and stuff. Um, and Mark Jones kept saying like bully ball, bully ball. And he, he is like a bully. He's the, he's the biggest, baddest bully on the block, but there, there's more, uh, there's more guile to it. Now there's a lot more technique to it. It's not just straight bully ball. He's got, he's got a lot of, of tricks in his bag. 
So I would say for sure he's taking a leap. So what's the hole here for this team? Because a couple of years ago, a lot of people thought the hole was their coach. That, that he wasn't going to play Giannis enough minutes. He made mistakes in the postseason. It did seem also like they had some issues on the bench replacing guys who left. seems like they've plugged some of those holes at this point. Losing P.J. Tucker last year to Miami was a big thing. But now they've got Portis. They've got Brooke Lopez healthy, which they didn't have the first half of last season. What, what's the fatal flaw for this team if there is one? I just want to make one side comment about the minutes thing with Giannis because it kind of it kind of bugs me that like people have like, like I think Giannis has like, you know, like he does, he's not a lazy guy. He's got a pretty good motor, but it's not like, like a, like a DeJounte Murray-esque motor. You know what I mean? Where it's like, like he does, like people get this idea in their head and they used to do this with, you know, God rest his soul with Kobe Bryant because he makes faces and stuff. He's always like snarling. He, 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 you know, he's giving you the mean mug. People get this idea like, oh, this guy could go forever. He's like an endurance athlete where Giannis's motor is not like he takes some plays off. Like there's times where he, he might be late on a rotation because he's just got his, his hands on his knees. So I don't, I'm not like, I don't have a problem with the, the bud minutes things. He knows his guy. He knows how, how to handle that. I'm not worried about that. The whole, I think the two things that worry me the most about this team, even when Middleton comes back one, I think the offense is a little bit bland at times. I, so like Giannis is a force, but you make things easier on the defense when you run these middle pick and rolls because it's just so much easier for the defense to load up when the ball's on the middle of the floor as opposed to on the wings when they're running that empty side stuff. And I understand you need to run the middle plays to open up the empty side stuff, but I think they do it just a little bit too much for my liking and it gets a little bit too bland and there's a little bit too much bully ball going on. But that's that's a small, like we're talking deep playoff round quibble when you get against those like Boston Celtics who can load up with that length or the Miami Heat who can build that wall. And then the other thing I think is they have a lot of guys. I was just talking about this with the Bulls and two different types of teams, but they have a lot of guys, but not enough like two way playoff guys that I trust like late round, late game to not get mismatch hunted. Like for, okay. For instance, like when Middleton's healthy, him, holiday, Giannis and Brooke, I trust, I trust those four late game. Who's, who's my fifth guy? Like, you know, Grayson, we, we saw what happens. I, I think Grayson Allen's a hell of a player. He's made a hell of an NBA career for himself. Uh, Javon Carter, the same thing. But, like, you know, people don't really account for him on offense, and that's going to be a thing in the playoffs. My, my big thing that I'm kind of monitoring that I don't think gets talked about nearly enough is what are you going to get out of Joe Ingles? Because, like, two years ago, this guy's a top 60 player in the NBA, top 50, top 60 player in the NBA. If you can get – and this is a tall task for an older Joe Ingles, but if you can get 80% of Joe Ingles, I think he can close games with you. But those are my two two big things right now that I'm monitoring. All right, we're going to go around the NBA here with both of you guys, okay? So I'm going to do rapid fire uh, with both of you. Let's uh, let's let's start here. We'll we'll continue with the the uh, the Bucks segment here as we do some some uh, some step ups around the NBA. First, biggest challenger to the Bucks in the East is Matt. You guys are going to hate me. It's the Boston Celtics. Um, <laughs> they are. They're, they're, they, I mean, they're just, first of all, like we, we learned that, you know, Udoka's good leader, but he wasn't, he's not like the cog to the machine. They're running just fine um, with the new coach. And they got Malcolm Brogdon now too, who, you know, speaking of Milwaukee Bucks, he's a heck of a player, heck of a Their biggest problem last year is like, there would be just times where the offense would stagnate and they didn't really have somebody who could consistently puncture defenses. And now they have that. So I'm just hoping we get to see those two teams go at it again in a playoff series. All right, Brady, let's go to this one. LeBron James is shooting historically poorly 
from the field. I'm not talking about all over the floor, actually. I mean, this is Cleveland days prior to Miami. Does that correct with the roster that they currently have? I think so, just because I trust LeBron as a shooter, because I would honestly say he's probably their first or second best shooter on the team. Just when you look at that roster in general, like that's just how bad they've been. Uh, but in all seriousness, it's, it's tough because like they don't have, you can't really dip off of him because there's nobody to force like the dip off. So it's just like him taking contested shots. And obviously when he starts flailing into those logo threes from way out, then you're just sitting there. You're like, okay, we, I don't know how this gets corrected, but I think water reaches its level to a certain degree, but I just don't think it's going to look pretty in general just because I don't trust the process of this offense. All right, Matt, we've seen a bunch of rookies get off to fast starts this year, really fast starts. We just saw the kid in Indiana. He's good. (laughs) He's really good. Uh, But rank them in in five years. Three best players in this draft class will be. Oh, man. So I don't don't do uh, pre-draft scouting. So I wouldn't take, and I haven't seen all the rookies enough to, to really have a good opinion on it, but I'm going to do it for the sake of the podcast. I'm going to go Bankero, Ivy, Matherin right now. That's where I'm going. But I also, I live in Michigan. I see a lot of Ivy, so I might be a little bit biased there. All right, that's understood. All right, Brady, we'll go to you on this. Who is going to be the surprise all-star this season? And you're really putting me on the spot. Can I say Tyrese Halliburton? I feel like that's somebody that's just can kind of sneak up and surprise. All right, I just so don't let, let me give you this. Who's got, because you mentioned him earlier. I'll go to Matt on this. Who, which Tyrese has a better chance to make the all-star team, Maxie or Halliburton? Oh man. Um, I'm only going to say, okay. Pacers are my least watched team this year. So please, please don't hate on me, but uh, I'm only going to say Maxie. Cause I mean, he's got the narrative going for him right now. He's in Philly. Everyone watches Philly a lot. You know, people think Philly can make a run and Harden's down for a month. This is the perfect time for him to really juice up his numbers. I'm going to go with Maxi. One guy I was surprised you guys didn't mention, kind of pissed at you guys for not inviting me to talk about the Utah Jazz, but maybe Laurie Markinen, surprise all-star. No, there's a chance of it for sure. Um, no, and I mean, we'll let you get the Laurie takes in another time. No, no, no question about that. All right. Uh, two more here for two more for you guys. Which team is on a better track right now with their young talent, Brady Houston or Detroit? Oh, I'm, I'm a big fan of Detroit. I just like what they have. And, and obviously, I know you just said you watched a lot of their games with Jaden Ivey, but I just like what they have over there. What Kate is doing right now in terms of just making that jump as a score. Like there was a couple, I think, I don't know how many games in a row it was where he was like scoring like 20 in the first half. And obviously he's doing things around the rim and making his playmaking. Uh, and they just have the necessary guys around him. I thought many of us thought the Bogdanovich thing was weird at the time. Like why did this team out of all teams get a, a Bogdanovich type? And he's fit in really well, like a type of shooter creator around Cade around Ivy. who's a rim threat guy. Not, I still like what they have in Houston going on, but I'm just a bigger fan, I guess at, at, with Detroit at the moment. All right, Matt, uh, we, we can't get in on first coach fired because that's already happened. And that was a predictable one. Although I didn't choose it. I went with uh, the guy in New York. Who's the next coach fired. Oh man. This is tough. Uh, I'm worried. Okay. I don't want it to happen. I, I think players really like the guy and there's a reason why he always has a job, but Doc Rivers, I think it might be a chance if things are, if they're underperforming in Philly, cause this, I mean, it's a really talented group and something's got to give there. So it might be doc. All right. And this is the final one. This is for our heat audience on five on the floor. They are going to be angry with us at this one, a heat bucks playoff series. Cause we've seen this now two of the last three years and it went really well for Miami one time, not so well the next time feel like the teams are trending in different directions right now, but it the rosters is currently constituted. Okay. Well, we expect the heat to make a deal for a power forward because they can't keep trotting out six, four guys uh, to, on switches to play against six, 11 guys. We think so. Anyway, percentage chance that the heat would beat the bucks in a playoff series right now, Matt go. Okay. So 
Have you ever been to Miami, by the way? Do you want to come back? I've been to Florida many times. My buddy just got promoted. Uh, he's going to be moving down to Orlando. So I'm going to be in that, that area. That, that, that's not Miami. That's that's the I-4 corridor. We cut we cut it off in West Palm. So let me say this. Let me say this. Let me say this. And I'm not I'm not a big narrative guy. You know, I, I really just I try to watch games, try to be objective, try to look at the data. But Jimmy Butler does become a different guy in the playoffs. You can't you can't tell me that. And he's like he's not. I don't think he fears anything. I don't even think the guy fears death. I, I realized that when he took that shot against the Celtics and like he really just like 100 percent conviction. I think like when you have a guy like that, who's like just not afraid of anything, you always have a puncher's chance. And Miami like historically has defended Giannis well. I'll go right now, 35% chance. Wow, that's more than I anticipated. By the way, you have a Max Struess tweet on here, so we're going to get to that for our Miami audience here. Oh, uh, no. We're, no, we're no. big Max fans down here. Um, what was this? Okay, you tweeted, fun fact, the father of his college roommate at Lewis, a college, again, that no other player has ever gone to, owns a bomb-ass Coney Island by my house. So that's like six degrees of separation by mm-hmm. Coney Islands, I guess. Yes. No, it's a great Coney Island. The fun fact that the person I'm talking about, his ex-roommate just got accepted into dental school. So he's going to be doing that now. But um, yeah, he, he says Max is a stand-up guy. They still hang out whenever he's in Michigan. Yeah, that's my Max True story, though. All right. Well, we'll give it to you. All right. We appreciate it. You can follow him at Matt Isa. 15 um, and all of the places that he works again too many to count here let me try to go through them again fan-sided SB Nation Opta Analyst uh, Basketball News Forbes Sports and many others also you're a JD candidate wow, I give you respect for that alright thanks to Brady thanks to Matt uh, if you're just catching this again uh, did segments today on the Jazz on the Warriors and others we'll be back next week we'll get into some more teams that are doing well and doing poorly thanks for joining us on the Step Back Pod on Fansided When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.